This is FBG Jen. And FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margot, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margo, and on the line today, we have FBG Jen. Hello. And we have FBG Kristen. Yo. And we are talking to, I'm sorry, Kristen, Jen and I talked to Light Watkins today. He's our special guest, and he's a meditation expert, and his Instagram is everything, you guys. If you do nothing else, follow his Instagram, at Light Watkins. And Jen, I really enjoyed this interview today. What'd you think of him? Me too. He was really easy to talk to. I thought that he was very uh, real. You know, he kind of talked about some things that he, you know, personally had kind of struggled with and just talked about. I mean, he clearly is like extremely passionate about meditation and what he does. And he just tends to see stuff in a different way that I thought was um, really, really helpful and really really cool we also went down so many different rabbit holes in this interview that i wasn't expecting like because yeah. he was a he used to be a model so we had an interesting take on um the industry and changing beauty standards for men basically and body image and relationships and yeah yeah it's cool super cool yeah he, so he talks about pretty much you know anybody can learn to meditate and you know we've, we've heard this over and over again but i really like the way he kind of puts it together and he gives these talks he's on youtube he has his own uh, website but i wanted to talk to you both what are your experiences with meditation how do you practice so i've practiced meditation off and on for oh my gosh i, I started playing around with it kind of in like the later years in high school like i want to say late high school like early college i started to i just I've always been someone who's kind of has has had a lot of a lot of thoughts. <laughs> mm-hmm. And sometimes they are great thoughts and sometimes they have not been great thoughts. And I I'd always kind of been looking for a way to kind of better manage that in a very natural way. Um ever ever since I was very young. And so I I just started sitting and kind of trying to view them and have tried a variety of different kinds of like um like Bob, I've, tra- I've tried transdental, like Bob, first name basis, like Bob Harper. Um, tried <laughs> Bob. <laughs> transcendental meditation, TM. Um, I've done like the Oprah, Oprah and Deepak Chopra, like the the 21 day challenges and those sorts of things. Um, I've just sat on my own. I've done visualizations. I've done walking meditations. I've done running meditations. I've done meditations in the shower. Um, I always just kind of have tried a whole bunch of different things and just kind of do whatever feels intuitively right to me. Um, I'm kind of at that point where like this morning I sat down and was like, man, I was like, it would just be really nice to just sit here for just like five minutes, just sit here and have no one, no one need me. Just, this is, this is my quiet moment. And actually there's something that we, oh, it's, it's in a show probably this coming up when, um, when we talked to Amy Baltzel, Baltzel, yeah, when we talked to her, she said, be, and I think Light Light touched on this as well. It was like, be aware of the thoughts you're having in your mind. And not just like, don't judge them, but actually use them as a way to learn about yourself and go deeper. So instead of just being like, oh, 
you know, I'm having that thought. That's, that's interesting. Be like, okay, I'm having lots of thoughts about this. What does that mean that I, I need to do? And so that's like, it's a, it's a very subtle like shift for me, but that kind of, that really changed things. So I've been more aware of that. And I found that meditation has been a little bit different since I've, since I've done that, but I love meditation. I mean, I really do. And I found that it feels particularly great after I work out, if I can find the time to do it, because doing like, especially if I like go for a run or something that will get out a lot of anxiety and just general emotion that I'm having. And then after that, like my endorphins are going and I can just kind of sit there and I don't know, just kind of soak up good vibes. What about you guys? I think I'm a little like you in that I, I practice it you know, off and on fairly regularly and fairly differently at different times. Um, so sometimes it means that I'm really incorporating that into every morning and I'm setting aside 10 or 15 minutes or something and, you know, maybe doing a, a different guided one. Like I, I do still like the, um, the Oprah and Deepak ones just because I, it really helps me to set, to, to create a little bit more of a habit when I've gotten out of it. But I honestly, I do a lot of just really small, short, mindfulness meditations, I guess you'd call throughout the day where I, you know, I'll just look at an object or, you know, think on something in particular. And I, I don't know, I guess it might not really seem like meditation to someone who is, you know, solely thinking of a person sitting alone in a forest with their legs crossed. Sometimes it's just me at my desk turning away from, um, you know, turning away from my computer and looking at the tree out the window and taking a little time to think about nothing but the tree. And then it's amazing how how fresh my brain can feel after just doing that for a few minutes. It really can make a big difference. So, what about you, Margo? So I, I'm always, I, we've talked about this before, but I'm kind of not the best sleeper in the world. So when I was in high school and college, I got really into these um, tapes and CDs of self-hypnosis. And really, it's like guided meditation, basically. Like you just deep breathe and you focus on, you know, this is your, the light is shining down your right arm. Now it's shining down your left arm and stuff like that. And I realized, like years later, like, this is kind of like meditation. Like I always said, I can't meditate, but damn, when I put on one of those CDs or what uh, CDs, I'm dating myself, but also, you know, downloading <laughs> it on the Alexa app and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, that's really is just meditation, really, because I'm just changing how I'm thinking and focusing on my breath and just relaxing. So I do that like a couple of times a week. And then I actually kind of borrowed this from Beck's, our very first interview was from Beck's life, Beck's Baruki, Rebecca Baruki. And she says every day before she leaves her bed, before she goes to have her first morning pee, she thinks of three things that she's grateful for. And I really try to do that every day. I I really try to make that a practice. And it's just like, I have my friends. uh, I like what I do for a living. I have my health or whatever. And then boom. And then that's just like my, even just 30 seconds it is, that's for me really helpful and helps me get a good mind space for the day. I like that. Yeah. So what do you do for your daily dose of inspiration? How do you inspire yourself? So I just recently, I I think it's been around for a long time. I don't know why it took me so long to go there, but there's this website called Calm, just calm.com. And if you go there, they have, I think they have paid, you know, meditations and stuff that you can get into and little classes on mindfulness, but they have a lot of different free resources. And even if you don't do any of that, if you just go there, you can pick a beautiful natural landscape, like whichever one you want. Like if you you want mountains or beach or whatever, you can pick like a beautiful photo and then it just kind of has nature sounds that you can turn on. Oh, wow. So, 
it's really and it's just really well done it's really really pretty and I had it on the other morning because sometimes when um I do meditate or just in the morning I want like I don't want complete silence I want a little bit of noise but I don't really want I'm not ready for like music yet or I definitely don't want any sort of like tv sound you know like uh, loud back and forth and so I put that on as I was like doing some stuff for I was emailing doing some work and it was just so zen even my husband walked in he had come back from the gym. He walked in. And he's like, well, what? He's like, what's going on in here? That's really nice. Like, what? <laughs> what is that? Is those, are those birds? And I'm like, yes, it's, it's calm.com. And so he really liked it, too. He's like, send me that link. But it's just really, just really, really pretty. So um, I like that. Check that out if you're looking for something beautiful to look at every morning um, or, I guess, any point of your day. But so I've liked that. And then I've also recently been compiling a little um, – a small book of inspirational quotes and my best friend Tish um, Levin Kiwi, she has her own podcast too, sent me this book that was women in company. And it was, it features profiles of a hundred different women who run their own company or um, are doing their own thing. They're like um, cooks and bakers and poets and tech companies and bloggers and just all kinds of different amazing women. And on every single profile, there's just like nice little pull quotes. And for all of them, they're just, they're super inspiring. So I've been reading through that and finding quotes that I really like and then making an inspirational stack so that every morning I can just have something to kind of look at to um, help me see things in a different way or help me shift to a more positive, positive mindset. Those are my new things. Oh, those are nice. Yeah. Thanks. What about you? I think for me, it's getting outside. Um, Yeah. That's, that's mm-hmm. really, really big for me. Um, as I've mentioned probably 96 times before, I don't live terribly far from a really beautiful beach. So I, I try on a fairly regular basis to get over there in the morning before work um, to have some coffee. And that, I mean, that sets a really nice tone. And um, a lot of times I'll bring my journal or if I'm, if I'm working on um, – you know, if I'm working on something, maybe I'll bring the pages and kind of make notes along there. It's just a really good place to, to get in a, in a more open and um, more positive mind space for sure. So I'm going to go back to um, a couple of our guests. One of them, uh, Jen, you just mentioned was Terry Cole and she was a wonderful guest. And you talk, and she has her own podcast that I listen to and, and she's just amazing. And you go back and look at our um, listener episode. We put it in our show notes, but um, she's very inspiring to me. And then also Daniel Laporte, you guys, I actually got her. What will I do to feel the way I want to feel? It's her. Ma- oh, the planner, the desire map planner. I'm yeah. telling, oh my God, it is rocking my world because every day she really wants you to focus on your core desired feelings and ha- what you're going to do, your, your soul prompt and stop doing this. What's your, what are you grateful for? What's, what do you want to change? And it, it's really been helpful for inspiration for me. I've, I've been very diligent about it. I fill it out every single day. I really think before I write something down. So I just want to give Daniel Laporte a shout out because I really do love this planner. It's That's good awesome. stuff. It's good stuff. I, I, I particularly find her because I have that same planner. I particularly like the uh, the stop doing list. Yeah. That's, it's like a really freeing thing to just be like, oh, my God, I really hate this thing. Why am I doing this? Stop doing that. Like, yeah. yeah. And it's freeing. It's completely freeing. It can be like, I don't want to, I don't know, clean my house today or I don't want to <laughs> worry about having a clean house today. Goodbye. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, it's really freeing. I really like it. 
Yeah, even if it's just for the day. I mean, you just, yeah. sometimes you just need to remind yourself, like, stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. And it'll make you feel better. So, yeah, that's what I that's what I do. So I say we just get into this interview today with Light Watkins because he's just really amazing. He's full of light. I can't wait. <laughs> light Watkins has been active in the meditation space since 1998, first as a practitioner, then as an apprentice to his Vedic meditation teacher, and finally as a teacher himself. He now travels the world giving talks on happiness, mindfulness, inspiration, and meditation. Light writes books and articles on meditation and happiness. He leads sold-out meditation trainings and retreats and produces The Shine, a global pop-up inspirational variety show with a mission to inspire. Light also sends out a popular daily inspirational email each morning called The Daily Dose of Inspiration. He is here today to talk about his new book, Bliss More, How to Succeed in Meditation Without Really Trying. Welcome to the show, Light Watkins. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're very excited to have you on the show. It's going to be myself, Margo, and Jen is also on the line today. And I get to ask you the first question. First of all, your Instagram is literally everything. I love your Instagram oh, feed so much. I've been just <laughs> diving through it. And you talk in one of your posts about three reasons why meditation newbies have a hard time learning the practice. So can you please discuss them here? So... The three reasons why meditation can feel hard for newbies. Well, uh, scheduling. I think people, you know, we, we learn different tools and practices and, and we get all excited about them. And, but we don't, we underappreciate the importance of scheduling new activities into our day. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't know a whole lot of people who just have an extra 20 or 30 minutes in their day just to kind of fit stuff in. So it really does come down to scheduling. And when I'm teaching people how to meditate, I, I'll, I'll tell them it's really important for you to put these reminders in your phone. Even though you may enjoy the practice or even though you may think you're going to look forward to it, you still need reminders because life is going to catch up to your practice. Also, it's a new relationship with your mind that you're forming. Most people don't have a calm mind when they start off meditating. And when they start to encounter you know, the monkey mind experiences, and there's, there tends to be a bit of resistance that comes with that. And just like starting any new relationship, you know, there's going to be some resistance. There's going to be a little bit of tension, a little bit of friction here and there. And it's about learning how to embrace these experiences and, and really operate in concert with them, not expecting the mind to change any more than we're expecting our partners or, you know, whatever we're in a relationship with to change, but learning how to operate around that. And then number three and this is a really big one. When you start off meditating, two things are happening. You're starting this new habit, right, which has its own challenges. And then you're also breaking an old habit of not meditating for however many years or decades you haven't been meditating. And so those two things together can cause one to feel like it's a lot harder than it actually is when actually it may not even be that the meditation is hard. It may be just that the new habit of learning how to meditate or the old habit of not meditating could be what's hard in any one day or any one particular meditation. Okay. So that, that was also great. And it makes me think a lot about, cause obviously we work a lot in, you know, fitness and workouts and we help people try to, you know, fit healthy cooking in their lives and workouts in their life. 
and again, it is like you were saying, it's creating that space, creating that schedule and then understanding like, hey, it may be a little uncomfortable, but that's, 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 that's okay. Yeah. Can you talk? Can you talk a little bit about like the specific steps that you would maybe take a, a beginner in with being like, okay, like if I do want to schedule some time aside, you know, when should I, when and where should I do that? Should I try to incorporate it into something I'm already doing? Should I take something out? Like what are kind of the logistics of that? I think that for beginners, it's really important to just take it very, very easy and to be very simple. So maybe even starting with a five or 10 minute meditation uh, per day and just and then you want to reward consistency. So if you can do five minutes a day for a week, then you do six minutes next week and you do seven minutes. And so I like to kind of take the marathon approach with meditation because if you start off too quickly, like anything else, you know, the pendulum is going to swing back in the opposite direction. Yeah. And if you start off slowly and you look at this as a practice you're probably going to be doing for the rest of your life, what's the hurry? There's no big hurry. You know, <laughs> just do your five minutes for now. And there's only going to be seven days or maybe 14 days you're at five minutes. And and eventually you'll catch up to, you know, whatever your friends or whoever else is doing. You do a 15 minute, 20 minute practice and then just kind of cap it from there. I think that we uh, we we associate the practice of meditation a lot of times with monasticism. So there's this false idea that I need to be you know sitting for a very long time in order for it to be effective. But the science tells us that really 15 to 20 minutes maximum is all we need on a daily basis to get the most out of the practice. It's, it's like exercise, really. <laughs> <laughs> so much like it exercise. Almost yeah. exactly like exercise. It's a consistency yeah. game. It's a practice-oriented yeah. practice. And just like how exercise, if you haven't exercised in a while and then you go to the gym, you know, the first time you go back, you're going to be sore afterwards. And that doesn't mean the exercise didn't work. It actually is the opposite. It means it worked perfectly. And with meditation, when you first start off meditating and your mind feels all crazy, it's because those old mental patterns are being broken down. And that's a sign of progress. It's not a sign that, oh, it's not working for me. And so many people disqualify themselves from thinking that they can meditate because the first seven or eight attempts are you know, full of the kind of monkey mind thoughts. And that actually is, if you know what you're looking for, that's a sign of progress. I'm a very anxious person with a busy mind. And I find it very, very hard to concentrate when I'm trying to meditate, but you say this is not necessarily a bad thing. So can you explain uh, why it can be an advantage for me and not a liability? Right. The premise is, is a little bit, it's a little bit misunderstood. You, you said you're a very anxious person with a busy mind. I would argue that you have a very anxious body and your very anxious body causes your mind to feel busier than it probably could be if your body was a little bit more settled and, and rested. And so what meditation does is it gives your body, your nervous system, an opportunity to rest and de-excite. And when you have that experience on a physio physiological level, you'll find that your, your mind won't be as busy. So it's not a personality flaw <laughs> like a lot of people think. <laughs> it's really just the body, that's all it is. And it's the same thing as if you ate you know, junk food it doesn't mean that you're junk. It means your body is responding to those things that you've been putting in it. And that's what causes you to have kind of junky type of thoughts. But it doesn't, that's, that's the symptom. It's not the problem. Oh, that's good. 
That's good. Um, <laughs> I'm just having like all kinds of bells and whistles going off over here. Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> just bear with me. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your your book. I, I would love to know um, about your new book, Blissmore. What was your process for writing it? Um, did you like, because I know a lot of people that are, I know I get like this sometimes because, you know, I write a lot, um, but I can really tell when I am in flow, when my thoughts really are, you know, focused and I am kind of fully aligned. It's a lot easier for me to to write and be creatively inspired and everything just kind of flows out. Um, did you have that process with your book or how did how did you write it? Tell us about it. So this is my second book. The first book I published myself called The Inner Gym, and it's a book about happiness. And it was a book that I, I felt that I wanted to write um, and leave to my kids, um, you know, letting them know what I've learned in life about the fact that happiness is an inside out proposition as opposed to something that you have to achieve in life in order to, to be happy. And that included a component of meditation, but I've been a meditation teacher for the last, for the last 11 years. And I've been practicing this for almost 20 years and I've learned a lot along the way. I mean, this is something I literally have been doing on a weekly basis, taking groups of people from all walks of life, people who describe themselves as being anxious, depressed, um, you know, maniacal, whatever. I've heard it all. And, and helping them become self-sufficient. So I've, I've been walking around with this large body of knowledge, almost feeling a bit guilty because I know how helpful it can be for a lot of people. And I'm not sharing it as widely as I could. And so this first published book um, with Random House it really is a sort of narrative of my experiences as a, as a, a meditation dabbler, uh, transitioning into a daily meditator, transitioning into a meditation teacher, and then sharing a lot of stories that I've heard along the way. And so in that regard, I'm writing very much about what I know. And I can, I can basically teach this stuff in my sleep. So it, the writing wasn't as challenging um, as I anticipated, organizing my thoughts though, that's, that's where, mm-hmm. and you know, fitting your, your ideas into the publishing paradigm was where I found a lot of, uh, challenges because initially I wanted to literally write a book that was a, a carbon copy of how I teach people, which is very practice oriented. You know, this, yeah. I can talk about meditation till I'm blue in the face. But unless you actually sit your ass down and start meditating, you know, every day, you're not going to really understand what it is that I'm saying. So my first draft or first manuscript really was about, you know, take this little bit of knowledge and then practice it. And then which required them, of course, to close the book and sit their eyes closed. Mm. And I did that like 20 or 30 times throughout the whole book. And I thought, this is great. This is exactly what people are going to need to learn how to meditate. And I gave it to the publisher. And the publisher said, no, 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 no. This is not how people experience books. <laughs> we need a book that someone can read on a flight from L.A. to New York in about six hours. So you need to go back and stop telling them to put the book down and practice. <laughs> and this was a bit discouraging for me initially, but then I got it. After I yeah. was forced to kind of go back and rework my thoughts, I think it came out to be a better product because, you know, it's, I, I experienced that same thing with my first book where it was a practice oriented book and people would start it and then they would never finish it because they stopped to do the practices. But you know, it's, it's important for people just to have permission to meditate in a way that feels actually enjoyable. And that's, that became the, the, the goal of, of the book. And I think that we did a good job uh, of achieving that goal and, and 
thank God for the editors and the publishers and everybody who could give me that kind of feedback that I would never have been able to see for myself. So I enjoyed that. And once I got the right direction down, then the thoughts were, were kind of, you know, fell into place. But it's still, it's, don't get me wrong, it took a lot of writing. That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. And that does have to be a little bit like, oh, I'm thinking about if you'd written like the whole thing. And then, yeah, I yeah, literally wrote the whole script. Yeah. yeah. Did you, were you able to repurpose some of that material for like online courses or? Uh, you know, I still have a lot of it. Good, I, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, to be, if I'm being perfectly frank with you, which I like to be frank, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't consider myself to be a great writer, you know? And it's, it's, um, it's not to say that I'm not an effective writer or I'm not, I don't write with utility, but I, I, I enjoy the process of writing because I know that it helps me become a better writer. So having an opportunity and an extension on my book deadline to, re, to continue writing was actually something that I, I, I welcomed. Yeah. Um, it was challenging. I felt like I was in the weeds for most of the time. You know, I, didn't, I literally didn't get to celebrate a lot of things that that year in 2017, you know, New Year's Eve, I was on my day bed, day bed at 1130 writing <laughs> the book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, birthdays I was writing and just, you know, every, there was no Sunday fun day happening over in my apartment. I was usually writing because uh, part of it was my own fault though. I, I, I was very ambitious when I, when I did my publishing deal and I told the publisher that I could get the book done within six months and it's a 50,000 word book. So that's a, that's yeah. a pretty tall order. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that again. So not to, not to go out of turn here, Margo, but how, so how did you find, did you, did you make time to meditate then? Like how did you keep your stress levels down? How'd you keep yourself healthy through that time? Meditation is a meditation for me at this point. is like brushing my teeth. So no matter how busy I am, I'm still going to brush my teeth yeah. <laughs> and yep. I'm still going to take a shower, you know? So that's, that's the good thing about it is it's not like when I was a yoga teacher, I was, used to be a yoga teacher, um, back in the day. And, you know, you get so busy teaching yoga, you don't do any yoga for yourself. But meditation is a lot different. You, I kind of, the, the, my, my best ideas for how to organize my thoughts would come through my meditation. So I, I depended on my meditation practice to help me be more, become a more effective writer. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. You've said that people are almost too worried about failure and that failure can actually be a, a good teacher, a wonderful teacher, as a matter of fact. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Well, I mean, look, I think living in this kind of social media obsessed, uh, comparison obsessed uh, world, it's we, we, we're, we're, being, we're becoming very impatient. My friend calls it the Amazon Prime Syndrome. <laughs> we want, clever. That's clever. We want, we want everything that we want immediately. And if it's not coming immediately, then we, we operate under the assumption that it's, it's not meant to be or, you know, we're not, not going to be good enough for it or something like that. And that's just not, that's not the case at all. I think that um, particularly when it comes to practices like meditation, Every failure you have is a learning experience that teaches you, gives you feedback on how to be the next time you sit down to, to practice. And ultimately, where this whole thing is going is taking you to a place where you're less rigidly attached to the outcome and to the timing of whatever you're experiencing in life or whatever you want to have in life. And that's really where you start to have less uh, suffering 
is when you're not so attached to the outcome and to the timing. So I think failure is great for helping you burn through your attachment to outcome and timing. I used to be a, before I became a yoga teacher, I was a model in New York for seven years. And, you know, as superficial as that sounds, it was actually very valuable experience in regards to being rejected on almost a daily basis, Mm. you know, as a, as a male model, especially, and as an African-American male model, there's, there's not as much work as there is for, say, a Molly Sims or some, I listened to your Molly Sims interview not that long ago. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. But, you know, those kind of supermodel level uh, uh, individuals, you, you get rejected a lot. And I didn't realize the value of that at the time, but being rejected for something as superficial as, oh, you're too tall or your nose is kind of funny or, you know, whatever the reason was, it actually calluses you to most other kinds of rejection. So when you get into, you know, practices like meditation or, or, you know, just basically anything, <clears throat> you can see it, you can, your follow through rate is going to be a lot higher than someone who has very thin skin when it comes to rejection, because that's really, as you guys know, having started this podcast, you know, it's everybody talks about starting podcasts these days, mm-hmm. but the difference in people who actually do comes down to really just the follow through. You have to actually show up. And yeah. it's not always going to work. The audio is not always going to work. People are, you know, not always going to abide by their appointments and all of these things. But there's something inside of you that says, hey, look, we're going to do it regardless. And and I think the same thing can apply across uh, many different types of modalities. And, and meditation is no exception. So now that you mentioned that you were a male model, now I really, we always, that conversation we had with Molly Sims, I thought was just, and we'll, we'll make sure we put that link in the, the show notes so people can listen to that if they haven't listened to it. It was just, you know, here's someone who's so beautiful, obviously, and has so much success. And you could tell that those wounds were still kind of, were still there for her. Um, and right. she was so open about it, um, which was, which was cool. And I think kind of, you know, everyone was like, oh gosh, okay, well, if she struggles with, you know, body image stuff, well, it's no wonder that almost everyone does. Do you have, I, I would just love your take on the male modeling industry, men's body image. We talk about women's body image so much, but do you, do you have a take on men's body image and how that's maybe changed? You know, uh, it's really interesting. I'll share a personal experience um, yeah. regard, in, regard, in regards to that. I have always been very, very skinny, right? And the industry has kind of gone through different phases where one on one, one phase they're into the kind of bulky, manly-looking men. Another phase they're in, into the androgynous-looking uh, guys. And I happened to be modeling when they were in the, the bulky, that we weren't into the androgynous people yet. So I, 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 was, <laughs> I wasn't getting as much work as I wanted to get. But I, I definitely had body issues in regards to just being, feeling like I was always too skinny. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've noticed now that I've, I'm long gone you know, out of that industry is that even though I started changing my diet. I started changing my workout regimen and all of that. And I put on muscle and I can, you know, I'm a lot bigger. I'm a lot more of that manly guy that I've always wanted to be. A lot of times throughout my, you know, history, I've, I've still seen myself as a skinny person. And I never really understood how that can happen with women because, you know, as a guy, it's just that conversation isn't something that a lot of guys tend to have. You know, 
conversations with guys really revolve more around money or you know sex or things like that but not so much around body but i've i've connected with other guys who are say you know i know know guys who are really big and they lost weight and they still see themselves as big guys even though Mm -hmm. they're they're not big and i think that there's something about the perception that lingers in our consciousness regardless of what ended up ends up happening we still kind of kind of like what you got when you were saying about the anxiety thing we still self-identify with that that old way of seeing ourselves and we don't realize how powerful our minds are in that way how how, how just having a, a mental experience of something can cause it to feel like it's manifesting physically even though technically it's not you know because when i see pictures of myself i'm like god i'm not skinny at all but i felt really skinny that day when i was by the pool or you know whatever with my shirt off so it's really fascinating that that happens and i think it happens to all of us in some ways and what we want to do is we want to make sure that it's not it's not um negatively impacting our ability to to experience a situation with some level of innocence and and wander. And one of the things, just to come bring it back to meditation, yeah. since that's what we started talking about, but yeah. one of the things- Sorry, we've gone down rabbit holes. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that meditation practice is really notorious for is being able to break down those old mental patterns. And it's not that, it's, this is the thing that people don't understand. You don't forget what happened. You don't forget that you felt like you were, you know, too fat or too skinny or too whatever. What happens is you lose the charge that would trigger you or plug you back into that old way of dealing with that situation, which could have been reacting to it in some unsustainable uh, way. And so you're able to kind of reflect back onto things and you're still able to, to, to have a sense of, of presence in wherever you are in that moment. So going back to, we were talking about follow through before, and one of those things, one of the mm-hmm. posts I really enjoyed you were talking about was that you can't be all in for a project or a goal, whatever it is, but also have a backup plan or a fallback plan, right? You said that comfort dulls the will to follow through. So can yes. you talk about that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think that, you know, when we're out there trying to achieve goals and objectives and all of that. There's an old anecdote from the Greek uh, armies where they would uh, land on their enemy's territory or wherever they were going. And the first order given by the commanders was to burn the boats. And of course, this was symbolic of, look, we either are going to, we're going to succeed in whatever we're trying to do, or we're going to perish in the process. And so I think that mentality, it can be a bit misconstrued in that it makes you feel like you're overly focused on the outcome. But actually, that's not what it's saying. What it's saying is you're overly focused on the effort. It's about giving all of your effort to something. And if you know in the back of your mind that you're going to, you have a fallback plan, you have a crutch, then you're not going to give it all of the effort. And I had that same experience with modeling. The great thing about modeling right, is that you get paid a lot of money for very little amount of work. And so you can literally work, you can work, one, or, you can work one or two days and you can pay all of your bills for the month. So as a, as a model, even working modestly, you knew that if you just book one job, you'd be good for the 
the whole month. But what that does is it robs you of your ambition. Um, <laughs> not, obviously not everybody, but knowing that you can potentially get that job or get that commercial or whatever, and you can potentially make, you know, 10 or $15,000 from that one day's work. Are you really going to wake up when the going gets tough and do the things that you have to do in order to achieve whatever is in your heart, whatever passions you have and all of those things. And, you know, possibly you are, but maybe not to the extent to which you would do so if you didn't have that fallback plan. And so that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is that, you know, these dreams that we walk around with, you could make the argument that they're not really our dreams in the sense that it's not an ego satisfaction that is rendered once a dream gets fulfilled, you could make the argument that it's actually the world's need and that dream of fulfilling the world's need has been implanted in each and every one of us because we are the best candidate for following through on that particular dream or that particular uh, need of the world. And so if we are not following through on our dreams to the best of our ability and with all of our effort, then we're robbing the world of something that is, it desperately needs. That's the way I like to look at these things because it just, it raises the stakes so much mm-hmm. that it takes me out of my own little head. Cause you know, my head is like anyone else's head. I'm gonna try to talk myself out of doing everything if I can left up to my own devices because why? <laughs> I'd rather be just comfortable, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank, right. thank God I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of, you know, inheritance and all of this coming. So I have to get up and work and, right and do all the things i have to do and you know and then in the process of doing it you start to feel the sense of fulfillment inside and that's the paycheck that's the as my friend says that's that's the paycheck for the soul which is going to be more fulfilling than any paycheck someone can give to you from a bank so so what is your dream that kind of begs the question right (laughs) well you know that's the other thing is that you know there's not just one dream for your whole life right there's 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 the dream for right, my dream for right now is getting this book out and doing everything I can do to make sure that this book comes out and I show up and make the whole thing locatable. And then the next dream will come after that. So we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay open to the next thing after that. But um, it's, yeah, I, I think that, you know, you can't, we can't rest on our laurels once we do one amazing thing or we fulfill one thing. You have to stay open to it and, and, uh, and it's probably going to be something that pushes you out of your comfort zone in a different kind of way. So I'm looking forward to it. With all of the chaos going on right now in the world, how do you keep your spirits up and focused on your goals? I just try to help and inspire people. And, you know, when in the process, I end up helping and inspiring myself. I mean, we, it's so easy to feel discouraged. And I, I feel discouraged sometimes. You know, you look at the news and... Mm-hmm. You just look at all the things that are happening and, and you know, people, you, especially on social media, you, you see that people, you, you know, you're not, no one's changing anyone's mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Many minds are being changed. They're being changed from the inside out. You know, the person is having an experience that is shifting their worldview, but there's no argument. There's no debating and arguing with someone to change their mind based on, you know, intellectual understanding. Cause I think we're all, we're all under the influence of confirmation bias and, and cognitive dissonance and those kinds of things, which makes us think, uh, justify things that we believe. And so 
one of my one of my other passions is sending out a daily dose of inspiration email. Oh yeah, I signed up for that. That's really good. Yeah, so thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm one of your subscribers. I was like, that is great. I read it every day. Yeah. So that's a that's a, a daily practice that I have taken on. I took on a couple of years ago. Um, that requires me to source some inspiration from somewhere and not just find it, but to articulate it in a way that's shareable and, and, and easily digestible. And, um, you know, so that, that when I'm walking, when I'm out in the world walking, having conversations in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, this is something that will inspire people. <laughs> and it, it, it's amazing how much it's caused me to have to, it's forced me to have to look at things differently. And I don't, it's funny because even though I'm the one that writes these things, I don't consider myself to be the author of them. I consider myself to be the channel of them. And so me sitting down and writing is really just facilitating those concepts to come through so that all of us can feel inspired. And I'm a big, I'm as much of a fan of those emails as people have told me that they are. I will wake up in the morning and I read it as if I'm reading it for the very first time, hoping that there's no grammatical errors in it. But <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, my, that's not that's not the nature. That's, that's minor. Not that's not the point. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's it's been that's that's probably honestly that's been the most important thing I've done in the last couple of years to myself, and that's something you know if I didn't make it past this week, I would feel really good about leaving that body of work behind. Mm. Um, to continue living on indefinitely. And people can subscribe to that. They just go to your website, correct? Yeah, just go to lightwatkins.com, L-I-G-H-T, watkins.com, and you can subscribe to it. Awesome. So of all the things that we discussed today, and I feel like we've, we've, like I said, we've gotten on some rabbit holes that have been so interesting, um, and just it's just been really great. What's the one thing you'd really like our listeners to take to heart today and to leave with? Um, it sounds cliche. A, but it's the first thing that comes to mind. Be the change you want to see in the world. There's no, the one thing that I've learned in my 40s now is that there's no, nothing coming to save us. <laughs> we have to mm -hmm. save ourselves. You know, so if we're miserable or if we're discouraged, we have to make changes. And, and oftentimes those changes need to start within, going within. And this is why a meditation practice is valuable, not just for people with a lot of free time on their hands and hippies, but for people who have a lot of responsibility, people who, who have a lot of kids and jobs and, and, you know, you don't, people who are very ambitious and have a lot of responsibility, you oftentimes don't have a very large margin of error. And so what, if, when you start a meditation practice that's consistent, you find that your ability to perceive connections and discriminate between things that are good for you and not good for you. Those make all the difference and really it can become a superpower in your otherwise normal life in, in the sense that it gives you the ability to see around the corner, um, which is, you know, I think what we all want when it comes to, you know, these things that we're all talking about now, like do I invest in cryptocurrency or don't I? Do I vote for this candidate or do I vote for that candidate? Do I support this law? Or do I support that law, right? All of these thousands and thousands and thousands of choices that we make every single day can benefit from us having more perceptual, perceptual acuity. So the honest is on us. It's not on the politicians. It's not on the uh, 
capitalists who are coming up with the next iteration of whatever gadget that we think we are, are is going to make us happy. The honest is on us to find happiness with, and and that's why why I wrote this book, Bliss More, is to be an on-ramp for people to have a really comprehensive understanding of what it means to meditate and how they can benefit from the practice. Jen, um, are we ready for the last question? I think so, yeah. Okay, so this is a very, very important question that we ask at the end of every interview. Are you ready? The pressure is on. (laughs) (laughs) So, Light Watkins, what was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, what was the last song I listened to? What was the last song I listened to? You know what? It was probably Frank Ocean. Oh, nice. I think I listened to Frank Ocean. I'm 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 actually in a very deep Frank Ocean phase right now. <laughs> I'm I'm very late to the party and I'm still I'm still in the party. Everyone else is gone. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it doesn't mean you can't go in there and do a deep dive into the Frank Ocean library. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just enjoying myself, and um, so yeah, I've been I've been listening to Frank Ocean's his latest uh, Blonde, the Blonde uh, album, on, on repeat almost every day when I drive around. So yeah, speaks to your soul, right? It does. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, the book is called Absolutely. Uh, the book is called Bliss More: How to Succeed in Meditation Without Really Trying. And Light Watkins, you were a total delight, I must say. Thank you very much, Margot and Jean. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Love this show? Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay, well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitfoundgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Meets, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.